All right, I'll I'll drop a bone tomahawk and we'll uh, we'll 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 get in, eh? Bone it. <laughs> <laughs> now now you have to open it with that. Bone yeah. it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. Tomahawks. <laughs> Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. We're ready to bone it. We're gonna bone it. I'm keeping it. I'm saving. We're gonna it. bone it. Yes. Bone tomahawk though. Bone All the flute tomahawk benders in the world. And I hope you had and, and flute benders out there. Hope yes. you had a happy alien day. LV uh, Even though day. we are uh, all stuck inside, although maybe that's appropriate to be yeah. quarantined on Alien oh. Day. It's yes. one day where it felt right. Well, that's uh, right. That's uh, Ripley's advice that nobody followed. If we don't obey quarantine, we're all going to die. Yep. yep. It's a smart move. Yeah, I know. Smart uh, move. I, I, actually, this is great because th- that's something we didn't get to talk about. I watched uh, Aliens for the first time since high school. For nice. And, uh, you know, I feel like I feel the same about that movie as I did in high school, which is like, solid. I enjoy that movie. Uh it is confounding to me that anybody likes it more than they like Alien. I know that's a lot of people's opinion, but it's Godfather Two syndrome. Yeah, I, yeah, it's the same way I feel about crazy it. Where because I feel the exact same way. I think that movie is fantastic. It is yeah. so much fun. It's like, and honestly, it's everything you could want about from a movie about you know just alien monsters you got to kill. Sure, it's everything you want, but like that's all it is to me. Yeah, yeah. And whereas like the first Alien is there's something deeper there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, without Aliens, we don't get the later entries of the franchise. Right. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I'm about to say something so uh, heretic. My favorite sequels are the Prometheus Covenant back, I, back to I'm back. kind of with you, actually. Uh, I think that's Alien 2 and 3 to me. Yeah. Because, and so what's cool, though, is we don't get those without Aliens. Right, right, yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't see it. It's the same thing. Everyone loves Godfather 2. And... Great movie, damn near yep. perfect. Yep. First one is more complete and better. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, but it was good to rewatch. Uh, uh, we watched the director's cut or the special edition cut or whatever, which is like longer. And I think Cameron says is like his preferred cut. Mm-hmm. I I would imagine the theatrical cut would probably work better for me, just sheer uh, economy. You know, I've seen them both, and like, I I honestly, I mean, I don't know that movie well enough to really yeah. be able to just highlight any differences. Yeah. But I've seen them both at various times throughout my life, and never once did I go, "Oh, that that was different." It was just, "Oh, aliens too, a- aliens, aliens." Is on. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. I just I I gotta imagine the economy of the theatrical cut would work a little better for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, like for all the theatrical cuts, uh, the theatrical cut of the original is better than the director's cut. I Which probably actually, agree with that. The director's cut's the first one I ever saw on the big screen as well when they did the re-release. I, I saw so it on that the big fantastic. screen, and I really liked that. It's got that great moment where uh, that explosion looks like a space cheeseburger. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite things I've ever seen on the big screen. <laughs> That's also my ska band. Uh-huh. My explosion space looks like a space cheeseburger. <laughs> blow it up, blow it up, blow it up, blow it up! Very good. Thank you, thank uh, you. That's uh, it for me. What did you so, watch uh, uh, any alien movies for for uh, Alien Day this year? Absolutely not. Okay, um, I was curious. But I, I did chime in on uh, something that I think is interesting about the the big debate is whether Alien Three is any good. Famously troubled production, uh, famously disliked. That's the one movie. I've not seen. 
Well, and, well, here's the thing, though. In the same yeah. way that, that like, Aliens is, you know, good in its own merit. Like, I actually really love Aliens. It just does not hold a candle to Alien. That's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. But, like, the, you know, the, the same way that, that it's not an ideal sequel, but it also is an ideal sequel, um, there's, a, there's a give and take with Alien 3. I recently have seen both... Uh, recently in terms of I watched them all before Covenant came out Mm -hmm. and during that period I watched both the theatrical cut and the preferred assembly cut of Alien 3 yeah and I don't like either of them at all (laughs) I I, they're just they don't work and I get why some people like them but when we think about the visual iconography of Alien franchise on the whole it's all Alien 3 that's interesting. That's what we, it's the same way that, you know, it's just, we, when you think of Alien, all of the imagery you see, the color palette you see, yeah, all of that is Alien 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and like, it's something that helped coax into existence these weird later ones, so I have to appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, like, um, uh, I, I guess, yeah, because that image of... Um, the uh, of Sigourney Weaver with her head totally shaved and the 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 alien face like right next to hers. That's and the mouth movie, slowly right? coming out yeah, at her. Yeah. That is the most iconic picture from that entire series. No matter how far it goes, it probably will stay the most yeah. iconic image. It, it's from Never Alien Three, so that. you yeah. gotta yeah. And you might That's love it. It's there's a lot in that movie to like. It's just a big turgid. Yeah, just yeah. a just a, a very begrudgingly paced movie, so it, it loses me. Was it Fincher's first feature film? Fincher's first. I forget whether the director left or something, and Fincher was just a music video director that they were like, "You want to you want a shot at the big time?" Right. Yeah. And apparently he he was like, "Yeah, of course," but you know everyone else's hands were on it before his could ever get to it sure sure so any decision he had to make had to go up the tree and all that so it was I don't know a famously he, tough production i don't know if i knew that he was like a hail mary director on that i i don't think i realized he like came in like late into that process if i understand it correctly i think i mean he shot most of the movie yeah, but yeah. it was one of those things where it was a project that had so much money stuck up in it and they were like this guy does flashy ass videos yep. he's real good at it we can get him for cheap cuz he's yep. nobody yeah. Not nobody, but relatively nobody for this big franchise sure. picture. So, you know, who who wants it? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think they just got him for cheap and he did his best. And, you know, with his hands, you know, with one hand tied behind his back. Yeah. And it is. And so when you take it for that, it's, you know, that's that's when it becomes easier to like. But like, I really don't like that movie. <laughs> it's yeah. honestly, it's the only alien movie that I would say I dislike. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. It's the only one I haven't. Well, I've not seen the Alien versus Predator series either. We have them downstairs. We're gonna watch them. At you some should point. watch those. Yeah. I think that those movies are better than anyone gives them credit for. They're, because they... it's an inherently stupid yeah. idea. They're and Paul so W. No S. Anderson. That... Is that who they are? The first one's Paul W. S. Anderson. The second one is. It actually is somebody. The second one is uh, famously the first movie I watched when I moved into an apartment by myself. Uh, because nothing was unpacked, but it was on sale for $3 at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> so I bought it when I was getting coffee in the morning to unpack. Yep. And then that night I was like, well, I'm just going to sit here amongst these boxes and uh, watch Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Great. Great. But the uh, director was... I For some reason... Oh, I... it's the Strauss brothers. Colin Strauss. So they did, like, Skyline and... Uh... Oh, it's the Skyline kids? Oh, no, they didn't do Skyline. Okay, so they're nobody. I was wrong. Oh. Um, they produced that kind of stuff, but they just directed a bunch of Nickelback videos. 
<laughs> oh, that's Amazing. fantastic. A perfect circle. Yeah, so they were music video directors. Yep. So Just same, that same old rules, story. And, and, the, and now they are David Fincher. Yeah, yeah. Nope, they're just yeah. two guys that I thought I had heard of. Yeah. The um the first one is like pretty true to the comics as I understand it. I've okay, never read yeah. them. And it's fine, it's whatever. It's a stupid right. movie where aliens and pre- but the second one, you have to view it through the lens of it's about a predator that just wants to go home. <laughs> because this whole alien thing gets loose through no fault of his own. And humans in there trying to survive, like keep exacerbating it and fucking it up. <laughs> and so he's just like cleaning up. There's like ugh, cleaning up aliens <laughs> and just people are going to get killed in the process. That's how these weapons work. <laughs> and there are so many moments in the movie where the the predator like turns to like and it's supposed to read as just like you're going down. Yeah. But in the when you read it through that lens, it reads just like, did you really spill that? Now you have to die. I could have yeah. left two minutes ago. Now you have to die, and then I have to clean up that thing you spilled because aliens are horrifying. Yeah. So thank you, thank no. you. And uh, uh, I think we bought great. a two pack of those, so we, we should watch those sometime soon. I think that's the only way to ever get them. They were only released as a two pack <laughs> to Seven Elevens. <laughs> they couldn't leave either movie to make its own money. Neither of them would ever make enough. They never. Yeah. I mean, the first one I guess did well enough to merit a sequel, but yeah, yeah. And the second one too, deceptive Christmas movie. Oh, love those. Yep, it's a Christmas movie, bring, you bring know, the... as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I recommend those. You just got to go in with the right mindset of like, sure. Alien versus Predator is, is literally someone who is slamming two action figures action together. together yeah. And they, in their toy box, they happen to have an alien and a Predator. Yeah. And so that's, that's what they had to do was write a way to <laughs> happen. Awesome. Uh... Honestly, they do better than Freddy versus Jason did in validating their fight. Oh yeah, I still kind of like that movie though. Oh, dude, no shade on. And the fight on... scenes are kind of cool in that movie. That's a pretty movie. Yeah. It looks good. I just mean like, uh, I don't even know what I mean. Whatever. Well, um, I think I kind of know what you mean because it's like I think the fight scenes are cool in that movie, but the promise of Freddy versus Jason is sort of unfulfilled still. Yes, that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I just remember when they got to fighting and it was just like. I still don't believe that you guys aren't just immediately teaming up and slaying these teens. Yeah. Like them getting at one another just felt like this feels like, Oh, the whole plot of that movie is like, so weird the way they sort of, if I remember it, like Freddie tries to manipulate Jason in order to get to some kids that for some reason he can't get to through their dreams. I think it's like he had some really sort of like that. Yeah, he's like weak now. Like Freddy, yeah. Freddy's weak, so his powers don't don't have the like he can't yeah. interact. Right. And so he's got to have a tool. Right. I don't know. It's it's real strange. I know a lot of great imagery though. It, oh, yeah. it is a it is a I do like that movie. Me too. You know, I, I think I'm also acting spoiled by thinking I deserve anything better than that. <laughs> but at the same time, like, man. I want to make, I'll make a Freddy vs. Jason. You want a Freddy vs. Jason? Yeah. I'll make I mean, you one. I, I, we've talked about this before, but I do lament the versus series that didn't spawn from that movie that was mm. maybe supposed to, you know? I think they were supposed to, I mean, well, the comic of Freddy vs. Jason versus Ash is really a lot of fun. Yeah. And it would make for a great movie. Yeah. It would also make for a great, like, the way they did the, what was the Evil Dead show called? Oh, Ash vs. Evil, Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would probably serve something like that better. But the original ending, you know the original ending? I don't know. 
they're like beating each other down in the lake. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly, yeah, the water drains out and Pinhead's there. And he's like, yeah. fellas, what seems to be the problem? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know, I, I could fuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, that's pretty cool. I know. That's, I mean, get them all in together. Like, give me, it would be give me a... like Jason in bondage and shredding them apart. And yeah. he's just not feeling a thing because he's just undead and mentally disabled. And yeah. he's been killed so many times. He'd be the perfect match for the Cenobites. You know, now that I think about it, if Blumhouse keeps like their their sort of train moving that they've been on here within the next five years, they might own all of those classic slasher characters. And then we could basically get like a a, a sort of like new generation monster squad movie. Huh? Yo, huh? that would be amazing. Huh? And by then, the Stranger Kids things will be old enough that they're not going to be the ones who are in it. Yeah. We'll have new kids as the monster yep. squad. Yep. Fresh kids that are that are. That, that I'm not bored of seeing, even yeah. though I love Stranger Things quite and, a bit. And Finn Wolfhard will play like one of their dads. Yeah. In, in like yeah. a clever nod, you know? Yeah. But he just has like one of those mustaches that only like a 13 year old can grow. Yeah. That's yeah. just so, that's, he still can only grow that. Just the, the prison peach fuzz mustache. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was in that movie, uh, The Goldfinch. Oh, he was? Yeah. And, and he plays a Russian man. Oh and my it's, god! It's very, it's a, and he does honestly. Sure. He's a good actor. He totally yeah. does. He nails it. But the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this feels like you were like, we got the the cool kid. Yeah. Well, you probably should have just got a Russian guy because like <laughs> I know that face and I know yeah. him as dweeby little uh, Mike from Straight. No, not Mike. I don't know. I Stranger think he's Mike. Kid. I think he's Mike. Is he Mike? I, I don't think remember. so. But, but that's one of those shows sh- that I forget until it's on again. Yeah, I know. Uh, boy, do I love it. And, and actually, so now, but what you just made me think of is that I think in the trailer for the new season, they reveal that, like, uh, um, Hopper is, like, working for Russians or captured by Russians. Maybe, maybe Mike's oh, yeah, going to yeah. have to do a little Russian accent to uh, rescue his, his boy mm, Hopper. What if they just go, f- like, whole hog on nonstop Goldfinch references? <laughs> And so, like, all the kids are like, what the hell is this? But mom is behind them like, oh, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that show is probably not above doing, like, a weird Pennywise reference since technically, like, 80s kid. You know what I mean? Like, all that stuff. Pennywise apparently going to be in Space Jam. Heard that. Yeah. As is the mask. Don't fully grasp all of those things or how that works. But I mean, it's it's one of those. if I mean, Space Jam's pretty bad, so yeah, um, whatever. I don't there's care. There's also... I, I love I, it. I forget how I know this. It was maybe a podcast I was listening to or something. There's a very bizarre and hilarious history of unmade Space Jam sequels. Uh, and so it does make sense to me that now that we're finally getting one, it's like a crazy amalgamation of ideas. Um, mm. I, I, at some point, there was going to be a Tony Hawk's Downhill Space Jam or something like that, where they were going to do like a, yeah, like a skateboarding one. There was, uh, I forget, there was like a bunch of different, like, different sort of, they were going to do Space Jam sequels that weren't basketball, basically. Yeah, yeah, It's Ready Player One. Right, right, right. They're yeah. essentially doing that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so this week, I believe it was uh, Tuesday night or Monday night, Yeah. Shudder just surprisingly dropped a festival favorite that they had acquired uh, at midnight, which was really, they, they're really, their fingers they're on the pulse of a lot of fun ideas, dropping that at midnight. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's a movie called Blood Quantum. Yes. And so we had a chance to check it out. And uh, I, I mean, I've I've talked about it to you before you saw it. You know that I, I liked it quite a bit. 
Yeah, tell and me I, what you think about it. I really enjoyed Blood Quantum. So Sweet. I want to tell people a little about Blood Quantum. Uh, this was like a festival favorite. I think it might have been at like Fantastic Fest last year. It played a couple places. I had heard a little bit about it. I had heard good things about it. It's written and directed by Jeff, Jeff Barnaby. Barnaby. Yeah. And um, so something I want to read you off of IMDb before we start talking about it is, I didn't know this, Dan. Ready? The term blood quantum refers to a colonial blood measurement system that is Dude. used. Did you know That's this? how I opened my review. Yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. Continue. It's very uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so it's a colonial blood measurement system used to determine an individual's indigenous status and criticized. This makes sense. We criticized as a tool of control and erasure of indigenous peoples. Yep. So this is very similar to that thing that uh, there's that old American law about like if you're one sixty, you know, if uh, if somebody's yeah, got dropping like one, the bucket. Yes, dropping the bucket. Yes, exactly. Yep, yep. Um, well, fascinating. One of the things that I find interesting about it, because I and and honestly, if I misrepresent any of this history and uh you got a correction for me i totally want to hear it so like because sure, it's sure. fascinating but as i understand it um it started out as a way of measuring just you know I, I don't know what the what the bar was maybe it was different in different colonies or whatever of what makes you indigenous right and because it's like so a blood quantum would be that ratio so if mm -hmm. dad is 100 percent indigenous and mom is 100 percent not yeah then right. your blood quantum is one slash two half oh, and so it's all yeah. in the ratios yep. and so on and as i understand it ultimately a lot of indigenous groups did end up using it as a uh you know as things got dissolved later yeah. as um a way of determining if somebody was eligible for a leadership role within their okay. ranks okay but mostly as i understand it the law is remembered because it came down to we we're trying to measure you know us colonizers are trying to measure exactly how much you are to see if you are eligible for whatever scant benefits we're tossing you by the wayside right but at this and so like very well could just be like oh well it's way too low so you're not gonna get the you know the reservation treatment you're just nobody right. but at the same time it's like yeah but that drop also means i'm gonna persecute you right because you know and so they were used that way and in assigning values to percentages it over time you can picture the graph just starts to really slowly and systematically erase a culture like that. Yeah. And so that's, you know, but how interesting then to turn it into a zombie story because it is all about blood. Yes. So that's, so that's what we're here for is blood quantum. This is a horror movie about it's a zombie outbreak movie, but it takes place all within an indigenous people's tribe, which is so fascinating to me. I really enjoyed this movie because I think like on one hand you have a very, uh, um, how do I want to do it? I, I called it Carpenter-esque and I know that's like a term that gets thrown around a lot. I think but it I, applies here though. I think it really applies here because what I was thinking about is, and I've done this myself, I think we often apply that term to stuff that is actually, um, I guess what I would say performatively Carpenter-esque where it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a very heightened sense of that music and those visual cues where Carpenter oh, himself- the one was it Baccarat that yeah. actually uses the John Carpenter song? Yes. Yeah, but Carpenter himself does not actually uh, usually have like that kind of bombast to his movies. They're yeah, usually yeah. pretty refined, and this felt like that to me. This felt like that kind of um, uh, uh, very refined, methodical. Like this is one of those movies where, from the opening frames, you know they know exactly what their movie is. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean, they, it reminded me a lot of, and this is a director who I think is Carpenter esque in the same way, and that was a good way to put it. Uh, no bombast. Yeah. I, are you familiar with Jim Mickle? Yes. Yep. 
Okay, his movies feel very much like this because much like Carpenter, and I think people don't always give Carpenter credit for this, uh, he does, for the most part, very character-based stories. Yep. And the films of Jim Mickle and then here with Barnaby's film, this was so character-based. Totally agree. And for me, zombie movies, I like a slasher movie, even the worst one, I'm like, yeah, love it. Into it, I'm all there. Zombie movies... I honestly don't care, so they have to be very good to hold my interest. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like not necessarily my cup of tea. When they're good, I love them. But mm-hmm. like, I, I, there is a lot of horror that I kind of just like. I like horror, so I'm in. Zombies aren't like that for me. So a lot of times these movies like live and die on whether I'm interested in the characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was I so, feel exactly the same way. That's a good way to put it. So on board with these characters. I was like mm-hmm. immediately in love with these characters. And all new to me actors that were like very, very good, I thought. Like mm-hmm. so I the cast is awesome in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would agree. I, and I think I mean, just to to almost get it out of the way, the the idea horror has always had morality plays attached to it yeah. um the most dated one being you know the whore dies first <laughs> then the, you know like that like yeah. and that's dated but initially it was employed as a yes. sort of warning against being being loose or whatever by the standards promiscuous, promiscuous yeah. that's the word i was looking for yeah. and um you know so there's always been a morality play but then through that we've started to transcend it so you get like your they live that's a social yeah. commentary yeah. you get something like get out or us that is like very big on the social commentary and so strictly just we don't really have any Native American, uh, you know, even even like Get Out, which was revolutionary. We're still talking about a race uh, disparity that we're well versed in yeah. as Americans. Yeah. And I'm not well versed in the racial. I honestly don't think I've ever been in the same room as an indigenous person. Oh, that's fascinating. You know, like it's it's. But I, you know, but I do generally agree with you. Like there's I, I just, there's oppression that happens against uh you know every marginalized group, but like yeah. they've effectively disappeared. Oh yeah, I, like you know, and been disappeared. We'll say this movie reminded me that I went I worked at a grocery store in high school and I worked with a woman named Feather who uh who was an mm. indigenous person and she was one like one of the nicest ladies I ever met. Like I, I love oh, yeah. this woman. She was like great to work with or whatever. But like um it what was weird was watching this movie and like having to remember the one indigenous person that I've ever known personally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean, I could be wrong saying I've never been in the same room, but I mean, I I hope I'm wrong. Right. Um, But, uh, and so like in, in that sense, like we, we've seen the, you know, we've seen, you know, racial and class disparities talked about in horror for decades now. I've never seen one like this. And simply by changing the flavor a little bit, you take what, what, probably could have just passed a, you know being a, a mediocre zombie movie but i think is actually a very effective and excellent one yep. uh, even if the rest of that was basic that's such a compelling twist it's such a new thing that even if the movie was garbage it was like it, it just made it that much more interesting i agree and you know i think that that's just super cool yeah you know, if ever there's a a uh, example of like literally just by letting a new voice in, you can get something new yeah this is we've, cool. talked about, we've talked about this before where it's like to me this is um i as i guess i assume this or whatever but like i assume this is what people mean by representation right yeah. this is a movie where it like it, it is about indigenous people it stars indigenous people but it's also not um necessarily trying to give me a history lesson it's not necessarily you know what i mean it's not like uh yeah, histrionic yeah. in any way like it it they just are the main characters of this movie and because of that 
there are a lot of things about this story that would be different if it weren't about yes. indigenous people, right? You know, exactly, exactly. And I really, really like that. It, it yeah. does give a nice new spin on on old material. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. just by letting it be from from uh, these particular people's perspective, which is and so cool. And then followed up with just like a really ripping ripping ass zombie movie that Dude, was I mean, just totally fucking metal and that so i'm glad you talked about that first because i do think this is one of the most interesting aspects of the movie that it is this sort of giving us some quote-unquote like new representation right mm-hmm. um but i think like then it just immediately becomes like throw that aside like let's just talk about the movie because the movie itself is a fucking banger like oh yeah start to finish but at the same time i think that a lot of that stuff is still woven into the texture of it yep. um even just in terms of you know by the well, I wouldn't even call it the second act. Just after the introduction of this movie, yeah. you have this this world where it's like, now now you're the protectors. Yes. And the oppressors are the people you have to, to protect. Yes. And even though that's not necessarily on the face of this movie, it is also, that's oh, an idea there. that is just invoked through the sheer existence of that voice in the narrative. It's, it's baked know? right into what, even you and I, who are, are readily admitting, it's like, I don't have as much familiarity with the the struggle of indigenous peoples as I do the struggle of African Americans in America. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like even freely admitting that, it's like I do know enough about it that just by it being about them in this situation, I do understand some of those things intrinsically about the story. That like this is about the shift of power between the oppressor and the oppressed, right? Mm-hmm. Which is really and- cool. Then using the disease itself as a parallel to the idea of like what happens when the European whites came in, they brought new diseases. Yep. And so these diseases came in. And so this sort of has that where it's like, that's also flipped now too, because the disease that's killing everybody is the one you're immune to, as opposed to, you know, the Europeans brought it, but they've had it for centuries. So, you know, they can, they can kick its ass a little bit. And so flipping, and so all of these things, but in the context of, in the context of like that deeper uh, you know meta story of the movie that's all an interesting history les- lesson yes. but just as a plot device it is also new yeah you know that is what an interesting new idea you know just as a plot device having that extra added element ends up creating things that just on surface level zombie movie mechanics are new as an extension of the thematic concerns agree i loved that does that I, make sense yes totally yes because like I, I'm, you know, maybe it's not a new idea and I'm just not familiar with it, but like I've not really seen a zombie story that uh, takes a certain group of people and says this group of people are immune. And and that's what this is about is actually the people that are immune to this virus mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. I've not personally seen that before anywhere. Like and so that, again, felt like a new kind of mechanic to these stories that just falls naturally out of what they decided to make the movie about. Mm-hmm. And for those people who are listening, I don't think we've said it explicitly yet. Uh, that is sort of the hook of this movie. Yes. Is that I think the tribe is the Micmacs. I don't know how to oh, pronounce it. So I yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it either, but um, I do have the word right here. apostrophe G-M-A-Q, I believe so. Yeah, Micmac. I, I had to spell it a hundred like times in my review, so it's like stuck in my head now. Yeah. Because um, I had to like learn that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they are immune to the spread of this zombie disease. And I think the only other characters are white. There's no verbiage on whether it affects other races but that doesn't matter that's beyond the world of this yep. movie yep and so yeah it's and so how interesting is that that's I, oh, these I guys are, are immune to it yeah and uh so like this movie like pretty immediately like drew me in with the first scene with the old fisherman mm-hmm. uh, and the fish coming back to life that to me felt like the beginning of ghostbusters yes that is oh, just that's great yes a perfectly simple special effect that is 
actually very terrifying to look at. It's but it's very unsettling. Super simple and immediately explains like what's happening in this world without anybody having to like exposit about anything. Mm-hmm. I fucking loved it. I was like so immediately on board. And it was like I, I don't think a word was spoken. No, yeah. In terms of show don't tell, it is yep. that's how it's done. Yeah. And I mean you have to watch this, people. But all it is is yeah, a guy gutting and cleaning fish. And then the fish that are very, very, very much dead suddenly very, very, very much aren't. Yes. Uh, And then the movie, this is another thing I just really appreciate movies like this one. It just immediately starts ripping and roaring from there. Mm -hmm. This is not a movie, like, I was actually afraid in that first scene with the fish that they were going to use that very clever special effect to buy, like, 30 minutes of screen time that didn't really have any, like zombie action you know what i mean yeah yeah there's, yeah. there's a lot of those kind of horror movies that kind of like give you one big thing up front and then spend a lot of time building to like a decent finale yeah yeah, yeah. this movie just goes right into it you, it you within 10 minutes you are into a a world where there's clearly a zombie infection that is very quickly making its way across this town mm-hmm. uh and you're introduced to the town sheriff and i love a good small town sheriff always a good oh, yeah. character for me sheriff trailer Yes, Sheriff Trailer, yep. Oh, the uh, names in this are great. They are, yeah. Uh, and he is played by, because I want to make sure I get these two. Uh, Mike, Michael, Michael Graves. Yeah, who's great. I really, really enjoyed him in this. Um, he's He, I guess, serves as our, is he our protagonist, do you think? Or would it be his son? Um, I guess it's I more of an ensemble picture. It's more of an ensemble picture, but I think that, I think it's a little bit of both. Because, you know, Spoiler alert, but you guys should watch this before we talk about this anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's a little bit because there is sort of a generational passing of the protagonist role yes. that slowly builds throughout the course and then of the movie and then kind of bubbles over at one point. Yeah, which yeah, you know, sure. I, I think also this movie seems to be pretty con- concerned with the idea of there's sort of a clash between the short term thought and the long term thought. Yes, um, that's what divides them, and you know, and that also too is sort of indicative of just you know the way a thing can get erased is the thing that goes let's think about the uh long-term effects of this everyone's like no action now yeah and yep. so you know there's a thematic th- but in terms of generational stuff in this movie uh, i think it is very much they're both sort of the uh the protagonist that just gets passed along that makes sense yeah Actually, and and remind me a little later, Dan, because I want to talk about the animated sequences as they yeah. relate to legacy in this movie. I think that's mm-hmm. something I would like to get into once we get deeper into talking about it. Oh, yeah. Um, which I guess we might. I mean, I hope people listening know this, but we're going to spoil this movie. We're going to get really deep into it. Uh, a lot of details. If you're, I don't know if we have new listeners right now, um, but this is available on Shutter right now. So if you have Shutter, go watch it and then come listen to us talk. And, and I think it's like. It's like a solid 90. It's yeah. just, yeah. Perfect 90 minute runtime. And it's all killer, no filler. It's like, mm. it's just very entertaining and good and full of, so great performances, really interesting storyline, I think. Great special effects. Yeah. And like some truly disturbing images that, unlike, you know, up, so we are obviously big Bone Tomahawk fans. I could hear an argument that perhaps Bone Tomahawk goes to the extreme just to go to the extreme. This movie goes to extremes, but always in the service of its story. Like, yeah. I, I really appreciated that even at its grossest moment, I felt like it was really felt in uh, uh, just very intrinsic to this story. It didn't feel like it was just trying to be extreme. You know what I mean? It satisfied my splatter urges, but it doesn't yeah. feel splattery. Right. Yeah. Uh, even though there's a ton of blood. But uh, this was one of the only times that I've ever seen practical effects uh, like practical blood and gore effects sweetened with CGI. 
yeah. where despite being noticeable a couple of times, yeah. is used in, it, like, the blocking of it's so creative that it didn't bother me. And that's one of those things that invariably bothers me all of the time. And um, I'm with you. I, I was, like, very impressed with this movie's use of effects, it both digital good. and practical, yeah. The digital stuff was not, you know, like, I noticed it a couple times, but yep. it was not gaudy. Nope. And there was enough practical stuff. Like th- There's a shot uh, at one point in the basement area where uh, the one kid comes running in where the mom's the nurse yep. and literally slips and almost falls over in yes. the splatter of blood. And whether that was purposeful or not, I don't know. But what is very, very clear is that that was the floor of some set covered <laughs> in caro syrup or whatever. Yep. It was real blood. And oh, oh, oh I love yep. it. Yeah. I agree. And there's like, uh, boy, are there a couple of things that happen in this movie that are like pretty fucking gnarly and extreme. Like, oh, yeah. I, I was very impressed. And a couple ideas that I was like, I've not necessarily seen that before, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, My favorite gag was probably, uh, I forget where it was. It was in one of the houses. And the sheriff is downstairs yep. and he sends one of his boys upstairs to like yep. take care of business. And too. as he's walking and like emerging from the garage, an upside down zombie like drops down in front of him and is blah, 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 yep. and he blows his head off and it explodes. And then when the you know, when we pull out from the scene a little bit, uh, it is revealed that the bottom half of that zombie is actually upstairs. Yes. And he his top half has dripped down. Uh, because all of his intestines by and shit entrails, hold him together, yeah. entrails holding him together. It, that is just some gnarly, beautiful rock and roll heavy metal shit, and yep. it made me so happy. Agreed. That was my favorite moment of the movie too. That was as far as just like the big splattery effect stuff goes. Like I oh, love yeah. that idea. That was fantastic. I think that the okay. Here's actually a great example of what we were talking about before. The dick gag. Oh is, yes. Uh, there's a scene where a zombified woman. Uh, just rips a dude's penis off. Uh-huh. And this is the kind of thing that in any other movie I've seen something like this in, it is employed to make all the dudes go, Whoa! Yes, yes. And so, and this does satisfy that where you go, oh man, that's crazy, this dick's ripped off, uh, yeah. but uh, I have a dick, ah, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But it, it still satisfied that, but it didn't feel like it was in the movie because it was trying to shock me. Right. It yes. was in the movie because it was trying to motivate this guy who's this like aggro man yep. Yep. to suddenly lose his cool because he got his dick ripped off. The moment it happened, I I knew that the wrong character had been fully emasculated in a way that he was not going to be able to recover from. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? And exactly. and I, and I loved that actually. Like the, the movie actually does this really cool thing where I would say for a good 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, it sets up a core group of people that you eventually get to the point of like, okay, I know who my heroes are. I feel safe. And then the movie does a very good job of being like, no, like people are not safe in this movie. Like we, we will unceremoniously t- like take people out give you plot turns and twists that you didn't see coming betrayals among characters. Yeah. We'll, we'll kill the good guys. If we, if we got to kill the good guys. Yes. Yeah. We'll explode this kid. I mean, literally in the first act of a lady's eating her baby. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But like so fucked up. Uh, but yeah. yeah. So I was impressed with like, I mean the, the dick eating moment was like a really good hard turn. I thought in the movie where it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I like I expected it to get to the point where these brothers were going to have to face off like this. I did not expect the movie to just fully motivate the one to just be fully. Eat. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah. didn't expect them to just drop a needle and be like, 
we're moving full bore into that final act, you know? I think that's probably what makes it work because they've built this character up so that that becomes believable. Yes. While at the same time introducing, you know, the bone tomahawk moment where you go, and uh, they somehow cancel each other out and enhance each other at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Because that is a great turn. It's one that's believable. It's, you know, when he goes full heel, you feel, I get it. I don't go, this is a betrayal of his character. That was, that was hardcore. They actually, that is, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a little more of this later, but one of the animated sequences comes right after that. Mm-hmm. And it's an animated sequence of the dickless brother sort of, uh, you know, almost becoming like a king-like demon god or something. And it, it like very much read to me as like, uh, the, the reason we're seeing this animated sequence is this is his transformation into the fully evil, like demonic character that he'll, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. This event has transformed him. Was it after he turned? Uh, it, I remember, cause I remember it jumps into animation when Joseph, the, uh, the sheriff's son yeah. leaves that party after he, mm-hmm. the kid like bangs out a rail of pills and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he leaves that party. And I think the grandpa is outside. Is it the grandpa? Might be. Someone's I, I just... outside and starts telling him a story. Yeah. And then it goes into an animated sequence. There's, and so I just kind of, is that the sequence you're talking well, no, about? So there's three animated sequences in the movie. And okay. one of them happens, I believe, right on the heels of the one brother getting his dick bit off. Okay. I think it's literally the next thing that happens. And it's an animated sequence of I that like they're character. Like interwoven. A little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, maybe that's what I remember. Yeah. Because it's like he, it's an animated sequence of him now dickless, sort of like almost becoming like a demonic, like, king god like you know it's like it yeah, is his yeah. transformation into like the pure evil thing he's going to become he's doing the gerard butler Yo! Yeah, exactly from, from yep. uh, gods of egypt gods of, i almost called that god of war i was like that's <laughs> not what it is that's um, what that's what gerard butler thought the movie was called yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude what's it um uh shit uh, they're addicted to heists that's on oh, netflix uh, now. oh yeah den of thieves den of thieves yeah, yeah. Um, i hope that we get that sequel I oh, I would it. like to see a sequel to that movie. And you know what will happen in that sequel? Pretend I'm, pretend I'm holding a gun. He'll okay. be like, the problem is, they're still addicted to heists. <laughs> is that movie called, like, uh, man, I don't have a good joke for this. I was going to say, like, Sunroom of Thieves. I wish I had a better fucking go-to. No, you know, like... Because it's Den of Thieves, it'll be one of those movies where the, it's called, like, Den of Thieves 2. Honor amongst thieves. <laughs> like, something like that. Where yeah. it's so much, but you're like, yeah, whatever. It's butt yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gerard Buttrock. Yeah. <laughs> Gerard <Butt> <laughs> I, I went for a walk the other day, and because I haven't had to think about outward appearance because we're quarantined, yes. I, I forgot what I was wearing. Uh-huh. And I was just like marching through the city with my mask on, and there's really nobody out. I'm just trying to get some, some blood pumping. And a couple people are passing by, and everyone's like giving me this look. And then I realized I was wearing my Jerry Butts shirt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably really weird to explain. Luckily, yeah. though, I don't have to because yes. keep your distance, motherfucker. We're that's in quarantine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, that's wild. So, um, what did you think about? So, this movie has an interesting kind of a, a like three act structure that's like pretty distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like there's basically a title card that drops us six months later, I think, six after the later, first yeah. act, right? Which is 1981. Oh, I don't know yeah. if I even I don't know if I even the realized. very first uh, title card is I think it's, it says Black Rock Indian Reservation. I think it's Black Rock. Okay. Or Black Crow. Uh, yep. No, yep. Uh, Red Crow. Red, Red Crow. Crow. Yes. Yep. We're getting there. Colors. You got animals. It. Yep. Um, 
uh, yeah, Red Crow Indian Reservation, 1981. I forgot that, and that uh, immediately makes sense. There's no cell phones in the movie. It's all the cars and phones. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I just like I don't know why that didn't even occur. I didn't even think about time in mm-hmm. in the setting. Because it's, I mean, it's a timeless story. Yeah, but yep. I think I, that's probably what it entirely is. Is this gets rid of cell get phones. rid of cell phones? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what did you think of that? Because what I, for me, uh, the first half hour, I was so fucking into that when it did cut to six months later and then we were in like uh, doomsday world, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh, no, is this going to become this movie? I like yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. I was watching. And then but within like 10 minutes was immediately disavowed of that it was like uh, just right back into it you know what i mean i would agree but in that does lie my one bugaboo with the movie okay Uh, really the one problem i had with it is because i felt the same way when that did that cutaway i was just like i was kind of thinking this is like a one night with zombies kind of thing and uh, you know i don't want to judge a movie for the movie i want i gotta judge a movie for what it's trying to be and so and i do think you're right that it does completely and well over earns it's right to do what it did. Yes, it uh, I think that totally works. But one of the things that I didn't like at that point is that I I needed either more or less. Yeah. And what I mean by more is I would actually have liked to know a little bit more about how that community works yeah. before it's disrupted in like mm-hmm. the post-apocalyptic setting. Mm-hmm. If I knew more about like the systems in play, yeah. um, the rug being pulled out from under when the zombie attack starts happening would have broken my heart more. Yeah. Um, That's what you sacrifice for pace. And I think that the pace of this movie is impeccable. Yep. Um, So, you know, that was my one bugaboo is I remember when that happened, I was like, all right, these people are starting to die. And like, not that I need to know them, but I would like to know a little bit more about this. I agree. And if you're going to tie into the, the whole thematic idea of them now being the protectors of the oppressors. Yeah. Some more time with that on screen might've, you know, coax that out a little bit in a way that could have improved it. That said, the way that it plays out totally is just, I I, I think to sacrifice that for pace is a smart move, but it's also to me a slightly safe move. Yeah. And so I would have liked to maybe see that. You know, what's really interesting is uh, I was feeling exactly the same way, but then think about what the movie actually does. And I think this is maybe how, maybe this is why it works. I don't know, but the movie actually kind of slows down in that second act. You would think mm. it's going to ramp up because it's like now we get to the post-apocalypse, you know, and people are wearing crazy armor and they got these walls they've built. You know, it's the city that they've built up or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. it actually slows down to give you that. My favorite scene in the movie was probably the two brothers while the one of them's drunk and on pills, like yeah, yeah. having a very heart to heart about their relationship and how they see one another because of the different parents they're from, you know, because they're half brothers actually, I guess. Right. Um, Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And and I just really liked that scene. I thought those were some of the best performance moments in the movie. I I liked both of those actors quite a bit. I thought they were both really good. And what's weird is too, just because like their speech cadence is different. Yes. Um, and and one, like I said, I don't really know any native Americans or this was Canada. Um, I think this is a Quebec tribe. And, um, But like, even so, you know, in that respect, I, it's just that it's a different cadence that anybody has just being of a different race. Yeah. Seeing that applied to drama is very new and exciting and interesting. I agree. And so how lucky are we that these two actors are really good actors? So good. And it wasn't just like, you know, just the first person we could get, you know, this right, is like, right. yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. were both phenomenal. I, I would agree. I think that might be my favorite 
character scene. Yeah, and I, I and and what that bo- I think what that does is that just little bit of slowness that the movie takes in that second act to kind of like really build out that relationship gives mm. us a great finale where they kind of fulfill all the promises of the movie, right? Yeah, like yeah. I, I actually started to get to a point with the movie where I was like, man, they keep giving me these great shots of these three old dudes that each have a cool fucking weapon, but I never get to see these guys just fucking like go to town. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then they just fucking give me like 10 straight minutes of that, you know? Oh yeah. Um, you, they set up these two brothers as, as these two half brothers that are from different sides of the track and, they're kind of, they, they love each other, but they they just see the world in totally different ways. And, and when they, they have f- different support systems by way of the one's mother is around, the other one's mother is not. Yep, yep. Presumably, I, I don't know if that's explicitly stated, but she's not in the movie. Right, yeah, she's not in the movie. And, and, and there is this idea that like they have the same dad, but they see that dad very differently. And they sort of have chosen the paths they're on, uh, mm-hmm. almost based on how they feel about their father. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really interesting. I love that the movie sets. Oh, and then and then you do have the uh, the mother character who has her own little storyline of like having to deal with like her teenage son has a pregnant girlfriend in the apocalypse, and that pregnant girlfriend is white, so she could get this virus even though the rest yeah. of them are immune. Uh, the which baby could, put could be the whole born community... with it, right? Could put the whole community in danger. Like they set up all of these different little plot dynamics that they totally fulfill every single one mm-hmm. of in the last like 20 minutes of the movie. And that's also another sneaky reason why it was, I think it's uh, six months in the future is you got to yeah. get her closer to, yes. to baby delivering time. Yes. Get the, get that clock a ticking. Yep. But, because uh, that... but it's also, it doesn't feel like that too, because that also informs the fact that there's now a new society being built. You know, like it that's does. the, yeah. 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 But that ticking clock is like, uh, like so effective. I think like I actually is oh, yeah. in this movie in particular, that was a very effective ticking clock. Because I immediately oh, yeah. started worrying about what's going to happen when that baby's born. Mm-hmm. And and there was one, t- I, I liked that they sort of informed that this baby, before even the zombies happened, was potentially at risk. Yes. Because of the clash of cultures, because of the fact that, you know, in order for Joseph to get any FaceTime with his dad, he has to shit on a bridge and get arrested on his side of town. Right, right. That's yeah. how he gets FaceTime with his dad. And like, this guy's about to be a dad himself. Yeah, it's yeah. It's tough, it's scary. And so yeah. it's... You know, that that was a great way to set up that ticking clock as something that is thematically resonant and tied yeah. to character, yeah. is that this baby could have been harmed and, and by the end may have even been saved by this because by the end, Joseph here has gone, you know, he's like vision quested into yeah. Yeah. now he, he might actually be able to be a father yeah. in a way that he wasn't necessarily fathered. Yeah. Um, but it also just, yeah. That baby's coming out and the zombies are coming. Uh-huh. Ah, you know, it fuels that too. I am so impressed with the script. Me too, uh, man. It, it's because and it even satisfies like it has like there's the one line where it's like, there's a truck outside. If you want to live, get on it. <laughs> yeah, or yep. like uh, you don't need to reload a sword. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yep, yep. it delivers all that, but every time someone says that, I'm like, that's what they would say. Yep. That makes sense. Oh, <laughs> it's dude, oh, it's the so grandfather good. character is maybe the most badass character in 2020 cinema so far. <sighs> He's fucking good, man. He rocks so hard. And you're like, I love the idea of a character where it's like, look, none of this is good. It sucks that these people have to just like sort of, uh, 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 you know, relentlessly murder, basically. You know, I mean, they're zombies, but they do have to sort of become, in order to survive, they have to become relentless zombie murder machines. This guy was born to, like, he's suddenly in his element in a way. Like, oh, yeah. He's full samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, he didn't know that this was what he needed or wanted in life, but life gave him this 
nightmarish gift of like yeah. a fulfillment of his destiny you know <laughs> he can kill yeah yeah that's one thing he can do yeah so that's the uh you know he kind of reminds me of and this is oh man i hope this isn't crossing the lines he reminds me of Django because one of the things that was so good about Django and Django unchained is that there's this cathartic thing where it's like he fucking gets to kill white people oh yeah yeah, yeah. no that's <laughs> you know? awesome. and so yeah. this guy and even though you know, I, I, it doesn't play as like a gleeful, like, go down, motherfucker. Right. But like it, it factors into this weird, like, you know, uh, indigenous samurai code that he seems to have for himself. Yeah. And oh, man, it is mwah, pristine. Well, and the movie's playing in that territory, too. Right. Especially with the the I keep referring to him as the evil brother. Hold on. It's Lysol. Lysol. Yeah. Uh, played by Kiowa Gordon. I don't know if that's how you say his first name. Um, he was great in the movie, I thought. Um, it, they, they do play into some of that, though, with him. He clearly uh, has a strong distaste for for white people and colonizers, right? And, yeah, yeah. and that plays into that fuels uh, that hatred fuels his opinions of what they need to do to keep their community safe. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, was he was bad, and he has that great line at the end when he's like, you know, Grandpa, you got to come with us on the boat, and he's like, Nope. I'm not getting kicked off this land again. Right, right, Something yeah. Like that. I forget, like I forget that, what the yeah. line is, but it, but it's very much it has that samurai moment to it. Yep. But it also has this thing where it's like, no, this guy is just, he's got to do what he's got to do, man. His final moments were so good, and actually, this this brings me to the thing that I that I really wanted to talk about with this movie because this is maybe what I guess like moved me the most in the movie. There is a line that I think Michael Gray Eyes character says, like basically right before he eventually, spoilers, dies uh, towards the end of the movie. He says, tell my grandchild big stories about me. Yeah, um, that's, and that's beautiful. And that's an idea that had come up earlier in the movie, too. Uh, I think the maybe the mother character says something about, like, um, oh, they're always telling stories about grandfather or something like that. Like, they always told a lot of stories. But there's this idea of the the stories we tell about our loved ones after they pass and the sort of mythology we create around yeah, our yeah. grandfathers and our fathers and our, right? And the the final shots of the grandfather are very much the big story that we will tell about that man when he's gone, right? It's yeah, this yeah, final yeah. moment of him continually getting back up and yeah, rising up again. Now. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think maybe those animated sequences were a little bit. They okay. were the big stories that yeah, will yeah, be yeah. told about this, right? They are the even more fantastical version of this that will be told later down the line to the generations that survived Do this. you remember the nature of the other two animated sequences? Because I remember them happening, but I'm, I'm struggling to remember the specifics at the moment. I don't remember I, them. I wonder if they're big, like, moments. Like, that that one moment, the transformation of right. the, the scamp into the villain. Exactly. You know, I, I don't I bet remember them specifically, but I do think they were that kind of thing. Because I remember getting that idea when the third and final one started. Like, oh, these are the big stories, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The reason we're seeing it as an animated sequence, a more stylized sequence, is this is the even more heightened version of the story we tell to generations later or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the mythologizing of this story. And I really love that idea. I think that's like a beautiful thing. Again, if the, if, if the idea of blood quantum is ultimately about erasure of these people and their stories, then it's even more important for them to create this sort of everlasting oh, mythology yeah. about themselves, you know? Let's up that percentage. Let's up that indigenous percentage. Yes, yes. And yeah, and like let's let's take this story about, you know, these people and let's get some fucking zombies in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just loved that idea so much. That like really moved me at the end, the the idea of telling big stories about us. 
No, I, I agree. That that, that awesome. line was beautiful. And that that guy was that was a really stellar performance from him. Loved him. Yeah. He was like he had like a stoic. I don't know. He you know he actually just kind of reminded me of uh, like a more stoic version of like a you know uh, rowdy rowdy piper in a they live. You know. Yeah. He's just your blue collar guy doing his thing. Yeah. Blue collar guy of a you know in a different circumstance than I'm familiar with, which makes it feel new. But he had that same sort of thing where you're just like. This guy's just gonna do the job until it's done, yeah. and uh, I I always love and respect those characters, and and he cap uh, Gray Eyes captured that beautifully. Yeah, so so good. I really really liked him. I and I, I don't know. I guess as long as we're doing this, like we should also uh, call out um, El Maya Tail Feathers plays Joss, who's the mother character we keep referring to. I thought was very good, and Forrest mm-hmm. Goodluck is who plays Joseph, the the sort of good son. Um, uh, who was also very good. I at least wanted to call out those main cast members because I thought they were oh, all yeah. so good, and they were all new to me actors, which is honestly always fun too. When you when you get to see a movie, I think a lot of genre movies um, anymore for me. If I get to see new to me actors, they're that much more grounded and believable, right? Yeah. Oh, Does that yeah. kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Unless um, it's Dick Miller. He's always yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or yeah. Nick Cage or whatever. You know, there's like certain yeah, actors yeah. that I do want to see in these kinds of movies. But then a lot of times it's like, I don't know, a, a zombie movie almost works better for me when I'm not familiar with any of these people. You know, yeah, they yeah. feel a little more like real people to me when they're new to me. I like World War Z well enough, but that movie is hurt by the fact that it's happening to Brad Pitt. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is. And I we should call out a Grandpa Gisigu was his name in the movie, I believe. Yes. He has the best name. Okay. Stonehorse Lone Goman. Oh, I love it. Ooh. And his IMDb photo is just him just like in a tank top tatted up on a red carpet. I'm looking at that now. He looks awesome. He's the man. What and his only other credit is a movie called Shipwrecked. Yep. He probably plays a mean motherfucking pirate. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was so good in this movie. I really enjoyed him. So while you have the IMDb open, yeah. check out something interesting by going to the composer. This is something that I knew about it. Okay. Uh, Jeff Barnaby, the writer and director, also co-did oh. the music. And the music's very good. It's, again, music's really good. carpentry, but not in that, like, overblown, it's a carpenter, nah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's like You know what it kind of reminded me of? Yeah. It reminded me of when Robert Rodriguez scores his movies. Yes. Where you go, oh, he's just making, like, you know, grimy shit, but it has the, the uh, Hispanic flair to it. Sure. And so, and so this sort of had that kind of thing. It's the exact kind of just riff rock you know, background music that you want in this, but it has a different, you know, sort of signature to it. Yeah. Wonderful. Hey, do, it, do you know, did he also write the needle drops that are in it? Or are those needle drops? No, there's, I was Shazamming the whole time because okay. now I've gotten into the habit of leaving Shazam on throughout an entire movie. You can like lock it on. Okay. And um, uh, there's needle drops that are uh, legitimate needle drops. Okay. okay I think okay. he just did like the compositions for the, yep, yep. you know, the, the score and stuff. Yeah. But since that's the last thing I needle dropped or I needed, I shazammed. Yeah. I can pull up some of those needle drops. I'm actually for you. curious because I, I actually legitimately really dug, like, I think there were like three pretty good, like bluesy rock needle drops. But that one I of them was Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings. That oh, okay. Was, uh, Only daddy that'll walk the line. Yeah. But that one was very clearly not of a piece with the rest. Yeah. Um, there was, like, okay, so check this out. This was uh, Mommy's Little Guy okay. by Fawn Wood. Okay. And so I never would have heard of Fawn Wood yep, otherwise. Yep. And I believe she is indigenous. Um, 
Well, and so I'm looking up uh, Barnaby's other director credits as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a bunch of shorts, but I guess he made a feature back in 2013 called Rhymes for Young Ghouls. I've, I've, I hear good things, but I had not heard of it until I was reviewing this movie. Wow. Get this. Guess where it takes place? Red Crow Mi'kmaq Reservation <coughs> in 1976. As if perhaps you might be able to call it a prequel to this movie. I don't know. What is it? Uh, what is it about? Uh, by government decree, every Indian child under the age of 16 must attend residential school in the kingdom of the crow. That means imprisonment at St. Dimphna's. That means being at the mercy of Popper, the sadistic Indian agent who runs the school. So it's awesome. Yeah, I'm into this. I, we need to find this. I wanted to give you another soundtrack song, but I don't know if it was from this movie, um, because I watched a lot of movies this week. It could have been from a different one yeah i don't know because i also watched bad education and that had a pretty wicked weird soundtrack too so Ooh, i'm looking forward to that one that's the uh, dude, same directors as um as Thoroughbreds, right yeah dude that is a that is a really good movie all right cool i would say up there with prisoners as career best for jack human we we just picked uh, prisoners up on like blu-ray or dvd recently because neither of us have seen it and we're dying to so dude that movie there was a couple points in that movie where I went, I am not okay with this because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. there's some really, really hefty stuff and it's yeah. him and, and Paul Dano just like, all right. Halls in it. Oh man, that shit's magic. All right. But, um, yeah, bad. So yeah, I, I can't drop that soundtrack listing on you, but That's yeah, right. so he That's did right. the score, but I really did like the soundscape. I dug the movie. Score, man. Yeah. It was really, really good. And like, like, again, it's like, it was like low key in the way, like, good carpenter scores are you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. you got a couple really good melodies but it's never like intrusive or anything it was mm. i really liked it i could probably pull a theme out of it but right. not because it was you know being an aggressive theme yeah i, I really liked this movie man it, it, this was one of those like surprisingly good movies for me where yeah. it, it was the kind of thing where i was like yeah i've heard good things about this i'm but... skeptical of cheap zombie movies that yes. go directly to streaming services exactly yeah i i've been burned as many times as I've been rocked, but yep. this was definitely one of those where, you know, because I, I saw that they, like, I got a, I got like a press thing about it, and I was like, yeah. all right, I'll write about a zombie movie, and then it was, uh, and then when I started seeing like it bubbling up on Twitter, I was like, oh, people have heard of this. I had never heard of it. Right. Had heard of it, and like, and it, actually, when I heard the title, I was like, this is probably just one of those titles that they made up to sound cool, yes. like yep. Ghost Protocol or something. <laughs> no, it turns out it's it's thematically rich and yes. and smart and clever. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I was a, uh, I was skeptical, and I was very pleased to find that even had I not been skeptical, I still would have still would have like blown me away. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, like. And this is one of those ones where it's like, and I love Shutter's service, like in general. I've just like probably the happiest I am with one of my streaming services is Shutter, right? Oh yeah. And they drop Best a lot of its book. Yep. And they drop a lot of good, uh, you know, Shutter originals, which I think this technically is. I know they didn't necessarily make it themselves, but they buy stuff and release them as Shutter originals. I think. Um, and uh, some of that is good. Some of that is not as good. You know, it's, it's the same thing we're talking about. A little bit of a crapshoot. That's kind of what you get with them. Um, uh, you know, independently produced horror, I think. In yeah. yeah. Um, this to me is one of the like, hands down, no questions asked, like recommendations on Shutter. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you should watch that. 
I don't, it's mm-hmm. like I could recommend this to anybody. Like anybody listening to this should watch Blood Quantum. It's it just like rocks. It's just a good movie. Yeah. And I think it comes down to it being very character based. Yeah. Me too. Um, that's what I, I I made the comparison. It, it very much reminds me of Jim Mickle because yeah. Like Jim Mickle's first movie is a zombie outbreak movie, but it's like rat zombies. Like, hey. <laughs> and like, it's not as cool as it sounds. It's yeah. like kind of chintzy and all that. Yeah. But watching it, it's like, these characters are great. Yeah. I, I could spend so much time. He did Stakeland. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, is it Cold in July? I think there's Cold. Yeah, that's what it's called. Uh, cold I, in July, I, I yeah. I think that's what it's called. And just like these just boom, bing, bang thrillers that do that. And this had that same feel, but then by virtue of it being made by an underrepresented voice, like, adds a novelty to it that it earns by using it for thematic richness. It, it really is just a win across the board. Agreed. And man, I, I just, it's been so long since I've squeed at a piece of gore on screen uh-huh. and it happened sure. like five times. Agreed. It was great. Yep. So it was perfect. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, big, big recommend from me on this one. Like I, I really hope people check this out. Um, and I, I think actually because of the way Shudder did the cool release for this, where it was just like a surprise midnight drop, I think a lot of people are watching it just because that's like oh, a yeah. cool thing. Like, I don't know. It's like a, a, a good, like, user experience thing, I think. And it gets like, I, well, they're good at doing that. Like, I love uh, the, uh, what's it called, the last drive-in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, it's fun that they try to make, in a world where, and even before we were quarantined, but in a world where we were all sort of increasingly individually consuming media um even taking that world and coming up with an idea to at least get everyone watching at the same time and then let it figure out that's very clever and shutter does that on purpose and smartly because i think anybody who is a genre fan understands that you know you can enjoy a genre film at any time but the the ones that we all watch at an exhumed films the ones that we all watch together that that is why you love them um, you know, the that's community why you're, is half you're chasing of, the feeling at home, but yeah. it's not a hard feeling to get. And so I love that they're trying to like put that back into the air by timing a release to be something that we all watch at midnight. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the cult of horror movie fans is exactly that. They're a cult of horror movie fan. They like they mm-hmm. want to be together. They want to experience this stuff together. You know, mm-hmm. they're the they're they're a bunch of weirdos that don't feel uh, a part of other groups or, or things. Right. And so that is that, you know, the, the movie theaters, their church, and that's where they go to worship. Like that, you know, yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. And honestly, like of all the, uh, of all the fandoms that I have my toes dipped in horror is probably the one I'm deepest into, but yep. like, it's also the best one. Yeah, I know. it is. Every, everyone's nice. Yep. Everyone's yep. cool. Yep. Uh, there's, is there a single thing in the horror fandom that people regard with either glow or animosity as hard as Star Wars. Right. Yeah. I it know, doesn't no, exist. I don't think so. You know, yeah. There's 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 no hard held opinions because even the most like deeply fucked up and problematic movie, everyone watches with the eye of like, okay, yeah. we know this is a stupid movie, but we're gonna have fun figuring it out and like yeah. that. So there's no like, oh, I love it. I also think like all horror nerds have like a pretty decent collector mentality as well. And so they're they're, they're able to like override some of their uh, maybe like uh, uh, um, moral misgivings with things just because it's like, yeah, but I I did see it. Like, yeah, I I I got to see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel I feel similarly because, yeah, that's like that's what draws you to a Serbian film. Now, whereas I will defend that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that what draws you to it is you go. You know, you wear the shirt. I survived a Serbian film. Check yeah, that yeah. Yep. that's very funny. Collective. Yeah, it is. Yep. It is a collector mentality. Yep. I just want to have it in my brain. Yeah, yep. gotta have it up there. 
but I, yeah, I agree. You should get uh, collect blood quantum into your brain. Yes, yeah, I and totally agree. Because I was trying to write a review that my ignorance to a culture I didn't know about, like, didn't make me say something so off base as to be like upsetting or putting me into an apology place. I ended up like reading things on Wikipedia and stuff. I was like, oh, I'm actually out there learning because this movie interested me enough to do that. And, like, that's a cool thing. That's an extremely cool thing and and something I've been having like a similar experience with recently as I've been diving into more international cinema and older cinema. I don't want to sound like a fucking buffoon when I write about it. So I do a little bit of research and it's like these movies are ultimately like making me a more well-rounded person. You yeah, know? it's it's like good for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and like that's I think that's probably where I rub up against stuff the most is that when stuff is good for you but isn't good. Yeah. It, it bugs me. Yeah. And um but I have a much higher tolerance for things that are good that aren't good for you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little skewed. Fair, fair. But this is one of those things like totally good for you and like just real good. Yeah. Really, Ooh. really like this one. It's this metal, like man. such an easy recommend. I, I just such a like a uh, I, these words are about to maybe sound like backhanded compliments. I don't mean them that way, but like such a sturdy, solid movie, you know? Yeah. It just is like 90 minutes of like pure I was going to say pure vision, but that makes it sound like I'm talking about like from visionary direct, you know, it doesn't have yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of feel to it, but it just, no, but I think it is. It's, it's the movie that it's clear Barnaby wanted to make to yeah. some degree, you know, like yep. it, it feels pure and honest and from, yeah. Yeah. you know, from a creative standpoint, I get the sense it's probably mostly the movie he wanted to make. Yeah. 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 Very complete. I just, I love the idea that like, this is one that like I watch it and I have this thoughtful experience. That's also thrilling. Cause it's a horror movie. Yeah. I could totally spring this movie. I could recommend this movie to my dad and yeah. He's very much the okay boomer stereotype. And so it wouldn't even cross his plate that there's some sort of thematic thing to be learned here. Right. And but he also wouldn't be put off by it by being like, is this movie fucking, you know, right. you know proselytizing what's to me? What's the agenda? What's the yeah, what's the yeah. agenda? Yeah. And uh he would just be like, Oh man, that's crazy, they gotta survive. Ah, yeah. ah. Yep. and you know, maybe that other stuff will bake in after the fact. And yeah. so I, I, that leads me to like, you could really recommend this movie to anybody. I think you could. Yeah. And I, I agree with, with you. a strong stomach. Yes. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's, there, there's some near bone tomahawk levels of brutality in this movie. So oh, it yes. is worth warning people about that for sure. And there's yeah. a couple things that happen that break your heart, which hurts yeah, oh, more yes. where you're like, yes. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely actually had characters some like, so strong. I know that's the thing. The characters were so good that I did have like some legitimately emotional moments in the movie, which is like, that is all you can ask for out of like an independent horror movie to get me invested enough in its characters that I actually have an emotional experience with them. That's fucking aces. That's like, you know, a part broke my heart. Mm. The very end mm -hmm. when she has the baby, she knows that the only thing she can be kept alive for reasonably is to birth that baby mm -hmm. because she's going to turn because she's been bit. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you can hold her. And she's like, no, yep. absolutely not. And they finally convince, like, no, you, it's right for you to hold her. You got to do it. And so, you know, she held the baby and then had, like, the moment and then was like, you have to take her. Yep. I can't do it. And it was just crazy. Like, this girl that was terrified to be a mom in that moment grew into, like, my job as a mom is to protect this thing and I will die doing it. And I yep. will die doing it. Take her away from me <laughs> yep. to protect it. And they got to blow her brains out right there. It's crazy. And I remember thinking, I was like, they're going to tell this story. Of, I, wow, okay. They're going to tell this story to the baby growing up. And, like, I, I asked myself, if this were me, yeah, 
would I say to my child, here's the story and here's why on your birthday I had to kill your mother? Yeah, or right. would I tell something different? You know, and she, I, I honestly she died in childbirth or something like that, right? Birth, yeah. Or even just, you know, died of sickness, like just whatever, just to soften the blow. And I was really thinking about that for a lot. That's, and it's funny that you brought up the whole storytelling aspect of this. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I thought about that for a while. Like that is, and what other zombie movie would put me in a state where for an hour after that, I'm going, I wonder if the child I'm never going to (laughs) have whose mom I had to kill on their birth. But like, that's, yeah. And so that really speaks to character. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. I don't, I think I I'm like exhausted on thoughts on this movie. Do you have other stuff you want to chat about with this one? Um, not not really with this one, but I thought in lieu of a list, I finally yes. caught up with a movie that only you have seen oh, okay. that I think might be worth talking about because I think Do it's it. worth talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we recommend Blood Quantum. You know, yes. a movie I don't recommend. Okay, what? <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh yes, I did see this movie. I paid a lot of money to go see this movie live with an audience and oh. Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes in attendance. That was probably awesome. It that's was a good the, experience. That's the way to watch it. Yes, it was a good yeah. experience. Yeah. I watched this, and for the first half an hour, I was like, okay, it's funny. It's mm-hmm. about what I expected and all that. And at like 31 minutes on the dot, I reached a point where I was just like, I am struggling. Yep. Like It, it really got hard. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, I was like, I, I probably shouldn't even be like, you know, because I, I was like dicking around on my phone and just like, yeah, yeah. I could not engage with it. But I was so moved by the idea of like i love that kevin smith was like well where do i have extras i have extras at a comic-con right we'll use that and like i it really spoke to the idea of like he's if nothing if not resourceful yeah and it was i was so impressed by it's like he's gonna keep making movies on his own terms and he's gonna use whatever assets he has to get it done and i respect that yep but this is a very bad movie i agree i like the thing about this movie to me was that there are good things in it. I think there are a couple of scenes where it feels like that um, that that really talented like mid twenty something writer came alive again. There were yeah. like a couple of dialogue pieces that I was very impressed with. Um, Jason Mewes in a couple of scenes gives a legitimately good. very good acting performance. I would agree. Uh, Kevin Smith's daughter is actually like a very good actress. Like she carries her part of the movie very well. And her Um, little crew of friends was fun. Yep. Yep. They were all cool. And actually probably some of the best actual jokes in the movie, like the, the really good, like laugh out loud jokes in the movie. Most of them come from her and her little crew, I think. Um, And I love the idea that they had a silent Bob for the girl who spoke sign language. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, So like I, I, there's stuff in it that I really dig and it's it, it makes the fact that the rest of the movie is such a quintessential late period Kevin Smith movie that much more disappointing. Yeah, um, it, it was it, it runs out of juice. I mean, it's like the idea that he like on one hand, the concept is like a perfect Kevin Smith concept that should make for a good movie. Yeah, uh, there uh, I, I built my career on commenting on pop culture now pop culture is all about reboots, a thing that I have actually technically kind of already done with my own movies before. Like, I can really, really work that sort of, like, self-reflexive charm that I've kind of been known for in my movies. And, and like, I literally built one of the first cinematic universes. <laughs> that's what I was going to say, really yeah. Like, like, he did the first one. Right. It's like, I can... Uh, it seems like it should be the perfect premise to get a good Kevin Smith movie. And instead, he uses it to 
make the joke that all those movies do is recycle ideas by literally just recycling ideas. Just doing it. All he did was recycle jokes and ideas. It from felt every like a reboot. Made. Yeah, it, it really was like kind of lame, ultimately. Yeah, I would um, agree. And, and I just, was bugged to it. I felt like that was one of those things where I bet he has something to say about it. Yeah. Like, remember in, in Yoga Hosers? Uh-huh. Uh, he clearly had something to say about the interaction between art and criticism, yes. especially in a world where the type of criticism that reigns supreme is sort of born of things like Kevin Smith's filmography. Yeah. And in he he mentions it, and then it's never they never do anything with it. Yep. And that's how I felt about this. As soon as it started, I got excited because I was like, he's going to do some fun reboot stuff. Yep. And then yep. he just didn't. Yeah. It, it was, and it just. I would have been okay if it failed for for lack of trying or yeah. not for lack of trying, but this just felt like he was like I don't even really want to go there, and so it ended up feeling a little bit like a soulless cash in, despite you know I I respect the guy I don't think he's the type to do a soulless cash in I think it was right. done in earnest yeah but uh but he, you know he's a businessman too you gotta you know oh yeah I mean I, I, it, I it just felt weird. Something that I accepted about him a long time ago is that one of the thing, and it's actually one of the things I like and respect about him, but he is a huckster at the end of the day too, right? Yeah. Like he's got the Kevin Smith brand and product that he knows very well and, and has done a good job of creating and selling. And I, I, I you know, um, I would say that this movie was made probably both in earnest and in cash grab. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think he's well aware that if he puts Jay and Silent Bob's name in front of a movie, he's going to make more money than he's made in his last three movies. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, and because he knows that, like, I, I'm always going to see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm yep. always going to see it. I'm balls deep. I got to go. Yeah. And I will say the, the, the Ben Affleck monologue. Yeah. I was like, this motherfucker just showed up for this. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, insane. it's insane. Although I will say, his movie from earlier this year, The Way Back. Yeah, I heard it's good. It's great, and he's just yeah next level in it. He, by the way, he's good in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. It, like that scene, That's what I'm I saying. think yeah, he's good. Like he showed up scene. for it, and it's like pretty well written. It's like, uh, by the way, that, so I am still a Kevin Smith fan to some extent, so I do listen to his podcast and stuff. Yeah, I catch it sometimes. A couple interesting notes about that movie. One is that that scene was like one of the last things they did in the movie because him and Ben Affleck have not spoken in like 15 years. Really? They have had a falling out a while ago. They haven't really spoken much. And he got like everybody else to come back for the movie. And while making the movie, somebody working on it was like, why isn't Ben in it? Like everybody else came back for this. Like, and he was like, Oh, well I didn't like Ben and I haven't spoken. I didn't even think to ask him. And they were like, well, maybe you should ask him. And he was like, well, I don't, you know? And so he just like sent him a text and Affleck was like, yeah, man, it's good to hear from you. I have, yeah, sure. I'll come to your, and so like he just last minute wrote a Ben Affleck scene, but Affleck showed up. They just did. And so it's like part of the reason I think that scene actually is that good is that like an actual emotional thing happened to make that happen. You it's know? beautiful. I love it. And so he put all that emotion into that scene, and it actually made one of the better scenes in the movie. You know, that's um, cool. Yeah, it feels real. Yeah, exactly. I, I, the whole time watching, it, I was like, I guess I should finally watch Jersey Girl. That's the one I haven't seen. I, 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 actually, I should watch this. I have a fondness for that movie. It is. Yeah, I'm sure I, it's cool. I, honestly, frankly, it's probably one of the better movies he made, depending yeah. on how you actually want to like qualify that. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But. Um, what was the other thing I was going to tell you about it that I thought was interesting? Oh, there was... I got to say, uh, Matt Damon's cameo. Oh, hated God. it. Yeah, that was terrible. So stupid. I, I was, I was cringing. Yeah. And, oh, okay. And respect him for delivering, but I yep. was like, bro. So that 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 is the other thing I wanted to bring up is is that scene and Kevin Smith's inclusion as himself in the movie are also two weird late additions where 
those were both supposed to be other things, other actors that were like more intrinsic to the movie that just yeah, like yeah. didn't work out. And last minute, he just needed to do something else. And Damon was like, yeah, I'll come do a thing. And so I think they literally probably brought like a fucking iPhone to Matt Damon's house, put the trench coat on him and just had him serve the role that somebody else was supposed to like more yeah, intrinsically yeah, yeah. to the movie do, you know? And so yeah, when you hear yeah. those things, you're like, oh, I guess maybe I like that scene then because that's at least like kind of cute and clever in like the overall history, larger story yeah, of yeah. the Kevin Smith career. But it doesn't make it work in the movie like at all. You know what I mean? And I think that's why it ends up feeling like a soulless reboot because it it is just throwing all the pieces in. And like I think what it was was once all the pieces were checklisted, I was like, ah, I'm done. Yep, yep. Yeah, like I think his inclusion as himself is the thing that is the most nonsensical and up its own ass and weird in Mm -hmm. the movie because it's like, dude, you are already playing yourself as – like Silent Bob is – I know different from you in that he's silent, but otherwise, like, that's you getting to put yourself into your movies on yeah, screen, yeah, yeah. As, you know. So it felt weird to, like, then include him again further as, like, and then, but then try to, like, take the wind out of that by being an asshole version of himself or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. All that felt weird, didn't work for me, but again, apparently was, like, I don't remember who or what he said, but, like, that was written for somebody else. He had a really clever idea that i liked when he said it i can't remember what it was like and what a huckster move for him to be like i'm just gonna get out there and tap dance yep yeah Yeah. and so then he was like well i'll just do it like i'll you know yeah Um, i'll give him the old razzle dazzle you know so but i agree with you man i that movie did feel just like boy it made me feel old honestly It, it you know it just made me feel like man i i don't know i still have a real appreciation for this guy and his stuff and it just kind of makes me sad that this is what it is now you know yeah I just it, it. I always reference to the like dogma is so good. Yes, it's smart. It's effective. The filmmaking is solid. Yep. He he balances this huge and wildly strange cast yep. in a story that is complete and works and ties into the like bigger universe of Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, it's the strangest thing to have ever spun out of something like Clerks. It mm-hmm. really is, and it's like. It's so smart. It has so much to say about faith, which is something that's very personal to him, I imagine. Yeah. And uh, and it came at a time where I was starting to be like edgy and critical about religion, <laughs> yeah, yeah. shit, man. And so it's just one of those things that was so smart. And I know he has it in him. And I just feel like either he just doesn't have the resources or the desire or something. And it just makes me mad when it's like, if you're going to do it, I want you to do it as best as you can. And I think you think you're doing it as best as you can because you're thinking in terms of the physical limitations of making the movie. Right. But I think that you I think that you can do better. Yes. And when you realize you can do better, you will. I, yeah. And so I'm I'm crossing my like Red State. Dude. Red State came out of nowhere. That movie's fucking great. Frankly, and I will always defend Tusk, but it, dude, it's just the, weird and I don't know. The one two punch of Red State and Tusk is the thing that I, whenever people are like yeah, I don't know. He just is like a bad filmmaker that like has never been very good in the first place and just got worse and worse. I'm like, I, for me, every time I hear that, I'm like, I think Red State and Tusk, I do include Tusk in this, are two very creative, really, really interesting movies that especially for him show like huge progress as a filmmaker and storyteller. And I, I don't know. I just, I hate that he took the the sort of negative response to those movies so hard that he just stopped going down that path altogether. Yeah. It's insane. 
And like I, 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 I'm not looking forward to Moose Jaws like I once was. Right. Yeah. Because Moose Jaws like... in that world is probably real cool. I know. But after Yoga Hosers and Reboot, yep. I was like, eh. I felt like, like Red State's an angry fucking wild movie. Yep. You and... know, it feels like a filmmaker making a fucking movie. Yep. And to me, Tusk feels like a filmmaker trying to be weird, trying to trying to like really like, I, you know, I know sometimes I criticize filmmakers for doing this, but doing that like weird middle school, like I'm going to try to do something fucked up. Like, yeah, let me yeah. Try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go fucked up. You know, it's I do think there's some fun to be had in him really trying to flex his muscles and push his boundaries. And he just immediately stopped doing it. Yeah. I really felt like he was on this trajectory to like kind of almost start down like a, a, you know, a second stage of his career, a new, not a new career path, but like a, you know, a, a second act. And I, yeah, I don't know. Doing I something feel, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like. And then to see him go back to quite yeah. literally his first act with minimal flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And with that just utterly, utterly just tragic Val Kilmer cameo. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Because he like doesn't have a voice box anymore or something. Right. He had I know. Some issues. So he's just there to just stand there and be. I know. I know. It was I, that actually did make me sad. I by the way, out strong with McGruber. All, all this said, I know that Kevin Smith is never going to listen to this, but he is somebody I would love to have on this podcast. And if for some oh, reason yeah. he did, I, I genuinely like really love him and his work. I just have and been a little bit thing, disappointed in it in the last couple of years. He's quite. He's quite responsible for a lot of why I am who I am and yeah, what I, digest, you know, like what I'm interested in. Yeah. And I, I have nothing but respect for him. Same. But, you know, I this is something I would not be afraid to say to him. And I think no, he's the type of person who would not be afraid to hear it either. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a cop out when people are like that movie is stupid. And he like gives them their money back. It's fun, yeah. but it's kind of a cop out. And I would love to just I would love to pick his brain about like just like, like what's the movie that you would kill to make right now? But can't. Right. Right. Make yeah. that like I want to know what that is because I know it's fucking good. Right. And I would love to see you just you know, deal with whatever hurdles you have to get that done as opposed to cash in on your brand and just put out another piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, 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 like I want to see it. He's talking again about making like a mall rats two and a clerks three, frankly, a clerks three. I'd still like to see, cause I, I have a real soft spot for clerks two in particular, I think is actually yeah, a pretty I good think sequel. Clerks pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, and I would like to see those characters again another 10 years later. Like, I, I'm actually interested in that, you know. Um, but, like, Mallrats 2, I'm, again, I'm in the bag. Like, I am going to see it. Oh, yeah. I'm less interested in him recycling through all of this stuff again, you know. I, yeah. I, I'd like to see him break out into just more weird stuff. Like, Yeah, I just want to see more original stuff from him, I guess. Is what Although, I mean. that said, if he made, like, Redder State yeah, or yeah. Tusk where the T is a 2, right, I right. would be like... Uh, actually, no. The uh, the, uh, the I guess the S should be the two. That would make more visual sense. Yeah, but in yeah. Uh, in Canada they call hats toques. So like you, <laughs> so like it could be called tusk, you know, or like yeah. or or it could be about or it could be about him uh, falling in love with a girl that's been put in a walrus costume, and Ooh. so it's about toques. It's two tusk people toques. So they really call hats toques. I think so. Learn yeah, something I think every so. day. I never knew Pretty that. Sure. Hold on. Now I'm going to look it up so that I'm not just saying a dumb thing on our podcast, but I'm almost positive. Tukes, hats, Canada. Uh, yeah. T-O-Q-U-E. Tuke. Tuke. And that is like your classic uh, like winter beanie with a little ball on top. Is a, uh, is a tuke. It's a tuke. Yep. Well, fuck me sideways. You learn something new every day. Correct, my friend. Right yes. on. But yeah, so I, I was just, I, I watched that movie because I had to. 
Oh, okay. And like I said, for the I mean, I had to like because I I want to oh, yes, see yeah. the new Jane Silent Bob movie. Of course I do. And so, you know, it, it, my goodwill ran out pretty quick. Yeah. But I will say that the first half hour there was like legitimate laughs. Yep. When um, what's his name from Mallrats showed up? Oh, Brody. Uh, uh Brody. No, uh, it wasn't Brody. Was was it? oh no, it was Brody. Yeah, because he was yeah. wearing the same. He wore the updated version of the shirt. Yes. Yep. And um. And so when he showed Basically, up, I was like, that's, oh, that's man, funny. I feel really good about this. Yeah. Uh, this is cool. And then just very quickly after that, I was sitting there like, oh, yeah, what am I doing? I know. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it just was a disappointing movie for me. You know? Yeah. It hurt a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I'm I think I'm uh, I'm all I'm all out of stuff. I am all out of stuff, too. I kind of got to pee again. And. We're we're making a like a cheese plate for tonight's uh, TV watching festivities, and so I'm in charge of that. And RuPaul starts in 21 minutes. We're making perfect timing here. Let's get out of here. On uh oh yeah, well, I'll say this after we get off. I'll tell you about Jeff Goldblum as a judge on RuPaul. Please do. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's close it out. Let's do some plugs and stuff. All right. So yeah, Uh, at Dan Scully everywhere. uh, Letterboxd. Check out my shit on Cinema76.com. Findy.com. Um, not in the new movie, John, but the new movie, John's out. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, so check that out. Um, is there anything else? I, I think that's it for me. Uh, yeah. I'm on, uh, uh, yes, I'm on Letterboxd and Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Um, I you, actually, if you're listening to this now, I, I think probably you should be able to hear me guesting on like a few other podcasts around the internet right now. I was just on something called, uh, the last little horror house in Philly, uh, talking about Mandy. Um, and, uh, I, sh- I'm should be on, uh, an upcoming episode of Lehigh Valley with love, which is a podcast from my hometown, um, oh, right connecting with some people back there and, uh, guesting on their show is like a, a movie guy occasionally. So what's, uh, what is that? Sh- Le- I love that title. Lehigh Valley, with Lehigh love. Valley with love. It's uh, just like a chat show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Comedian. Nice. Uh, do you know Tyler Rothrock? Yeah. You know that name? He's like a comedian yeah. from my hometown and he, he like hosts a show oh, cool. that is like about my my town i guess basically i don't know um but yeah give it a listen yeah pretty fun um and uh you know i'm on cinema76.com uh farsightedblog.com uh i occasionally you still find me on that entertains.com and you can find our show everywhere on the internet at i like two movie that's the number two numeric two i like two movie uh rate and subscribe on itunes that's like the best thing you can do for us actually right now yeah, um, we've been sidelined a bit by quarantine, but stay tuned. Yeah. There is Patreon content coming as Patreon, well as a YouTube channel. YouTube, yeah, so, we're working on uh, stuff. Like, legitimately yeah, actually stuff. working on this stuff, so. Quarantine has caused us to embrace technology in a way that I was certainly too ham-fisted to do before. Yes. And so it's... But it's uh, serving us well, and I think we're going to... It's gonna, easy. Yeah, it's, uh, hopefully it's going to help <laughs> us grow the show in some other places. So look out for that stuff coming soon. And uh, yeah, uh, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we We like like to movie! movie!